<laughs> Should we start this thing? I suppose. Now we're getting into political discussion. We're going to lose all six of our listeners. I know we will. Yeah. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. Hey everyone. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 38 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, and I am Trevor L. Nelson. And I'm Alex Stark, and today we're going to be talking about the life of a production company. Uh, All that good stuff. But first, Trevor, what are we drinking? We're sticking with the Miller Lights, you know? It's just something nice, and if anyone, if Alex put the beginning part of us complaining about the cold in here, it'd be shocking that you were drinking ice cold beer, but ah, delicious. Yeah. It is nice. I do like the um, the silver bullets, you know, but there's something about having a, a beer that perfectly fits in the koozie. Yeah, you know, I I have a bone to pick with with Coors. Coors, I love you. You're tasty. You're delicious. You show me that you're cold. But we have a little mini fridge here. You know what? Those fuckers don't fit in the 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 soda pop dispenser no. because they're too tall. Yeah, it's What's like that all about? I get it, guys. I get it. But I don't. There's get no it. extra beer, right? No, it's not. It's not more, and it's not less like fucking Stella, which we found yeah. out screws Whatever us in the beer Stella. department. You're yeah. lucky. You're delicious, Stella. You are lucky. What is it? Point eight. Yeah, you get you get screwed up. Point eight ounces. I don't. I don't. Terrible. I don't agree with that at all. All right. So what's new, Trevor? What's new? Um. So the biggest thing that's new for us is over the weekend we shot the pilot that we were talking about. Um, it's kind of like a little 30 for 30 documentary uh, TV show. We shot the pilot um, that with the family of this story. It's, and, you know, going into it, I would say I was interested, but I thought, okay, you know, it'll be a pretty good story. It was good. This family, this story is good. It was, it, it definitely exceeded my yeah. expectations. Yep. We can say that. Yeah. Um, I had very low expectations because I didn't. When I tried to Google it, I couldn't come up with really anything. Yeah. And I didn't know what the story was. I just knew it was like a jet powered truck. And I was like, okay, that's interesting, I guess. I mean, it's kind of like a niche, like a funky little quirky thing. Yeah. But I don't know how interesting that's going to be. But then the actual story that it goes into with the family and the drama and all that kind of stuff is actually very interesting. Yeah, and I think that that was me too. Was like I tried to look it up, and I couldn't find anything about it, which adds to the mystery of it all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we shot that two days uh, down in uh, Corona del Mar, in the OC, kind of yeah. near Tustin, um, and we did that. Um, that was uh, that was two full days. Two full days. I think how it was like. From leaving the house to getting back to the house, it was probably like 14 hours, 13, 14 hours. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a couple stops in between to pick up some equipment, drop off some equipment, yeah, stuff like that. First day was a little bit earlier than the other day, than the Sunday. But uh, overall, it's a good shoot. Not too hard. Um, I think it looks pretty wo- pretty good. I've been going over the footage, uh, starting to make uh, proxies. So we, we shot it. And now we're moving on to uh, time to edit. And we shot in 4K, 
And, you know, our beast of an editing machine can edit 4K, but, you know, a, a Premiere just brings and creates proxies when you bring in footage, if you have it set up. And you know what? Proxies just make it that much easier. It does. So why are you um, using... Because we also simultaneously recorded proxies. Yeah. So, well, one is that... Our naming convention was off. Naming convention was off. And Adobe just has a really nice way to, like... And you can always... You can do this later. You can... You can bring in footage and then connect the footage, but you have to go one by one and connect the footage with its proxy hmm. so that you can easily switch between the two. Because there's a button that's on, in Premiere where you hit a button and it'll go between the original and the proxy really quick and easy and makes it seamless. Um, now, you could do that if you've made your proxies outside of Premiere, like with our camera, the V35 or the LT. Um, but the problem becomes is that it just is time consuming you have to go and individually link every file um and so especially when um you know you've done them outside and the naming convention is not perfect you have to go find every file and that is annoying yeah super annoying so speaking of that shoot um yeah you got to use a an lt on an actual project for the first time we've seen them we've touched them we've used them yeah at uh, Panasonic events yep, and different yep, yep. Uh, workshops and stuff, but we haven't actually rented one and used it out on, a, on the field. First time put my hands on it and using it in to some professional extent. And I will say, um, you didn't get much work with it. Um, no. But I'll in say fact, I like it. In fact, none. None. I mean, you helped <laughs> set it up, but, yeah. but I liked it. I, I like the fact that it's just a smaller version of our camera. You're not really giving up much. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes you've, you you got a smaller sensor or, you know, there's a lot of, like, spec changes between a bigger and smaller version. Yeah. The only thing you do give up is you give up uh, two P2 and micro P2 slots. Yes, yeah, um, so you only get one. You only get time. one at a time. And you also give up... Uh, Four 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 twelve bit, don't you? Yes, you get four 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 twelve bit. In, uh, but we, but luckily we uh, we shot on four two two, so that wasn't a problem. Um, and also, one thing that's great is that you can use in the P two slot. You can use micro P two slot. You can use an, a regular SD card as long as it's a high enough class to shoot your proxies. And if anyone knows Panasonic's media, it is expensive. It is expensive. And micro P2 cards are nothing to uh, snub your nose about about in the uh, price department. No. And speaking of micro P2 cards, um, they are the reason that we had weird issues with the proxies that were recorded on the V35 and the naming convention. Because we had set the naming convention on the V35 to be in such a way where it says like the reel and then the clip. And then the date. Super easy super to easy, organize nice. and all that. But, go um, ahead, Alex, you found this out. Um, but um, the proxies can't do that. And they default to the P2 proxy naming file convention, which is just like a jumble of letters that has no sequence whatsoever. At all. Um, unless? Unless you have micro P2 cards that are over 64 gigabytes. Let's which just ours see. were 32. Which I found very annoying. Because how, how could that possibly matter in terms of, like, file size? It's just the name of the file. You ready for this? Yeah. 
$320 for a 64 gigabyte micro V2. Just why? Why? But see, this is the thing. It's a UHS-2 V90 U3 Class 10. You think you'd be able to buy those and put them in there? Yeah, I, I, I'm still not convinced that we you can't. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to... They're funky sometimes. I'm checking right now. That stuff. Yeah, I'm going to look later, but I... It looks like it's just a US UHS two SD card. It does. It looks identical. Uh, it looks like a. It it's kind of like um, you know how Sony has those like battery chips that doesn't allow you to use like proprietary. It's a proprietary chip that only goes in their batteries. So you have to use their batteries, hmm. which I think people have hacked. I didn't know that. I just assumed that the actual mount itself was different because, no. you know, the different, every battery has its own special kind of like way of connecting. Yeah. So it says that it, there's like a firmware software lock on that, that you can't just use an SD card. You bastards. But can you clone it onto a different card? I don't do know. Do you feel me on that? Because yeah. that would be tight. That would be super tight. We're going to have to see. It. We're going to have to do some searching here because. Because how could you not clone, you know, one card to another card if it's the same specs? Yeah, I don't, I don't get unless there's like, unless, you know, it's, it's like the dwongles that like Avid used to have where you had to have something connected to your computer. Yeah. Um, and they hack that, but maybe it's just not enough people use P2, micro P2 to hack it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's got, I mean, because it, it's not a special reader. No. It's an SD card reader. Yeah. It reads it just fine. suggests that you can get footage off of it. You should be able to put footage onto it in the same way. Yeah. I'm trying to think there is, um, I'm trying to remember what it was where it's, it's kind of the same idea where. You have to have a certain. It, it's it's hard to explain. It's like you have to have a certain piece of software or something that recognizes. I mean, fucking uh, Keurig when they released their new Keurig machines, they had something that was trying to do. It was called like a DRM on the pods, so that you couldn't use like off market pods or your own. Sure. And they hacked that. But like a lot of the companies will do that, where they have it's it's like it's got to register something in the card as being present or it won't work. But if it's a software and not a physical No, but thing I wonder but, but I wonder if it's a if it's a thing where it's like anything else like a SD card reader ignores it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it's like maybe another chip in there that that it doesn't matter but the Panasonic requires it for I'm trying to think of the example. I had this example in my head and I just lost it. But the Panasonic itself requ- requires it to record. Yeah, but didn't you just read that it's a it's a firmware like software? That's what thing? somebody said on a forum. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's what it is. From the, no, from it's not the, straight, straight from Panasonic. From, from the goat man's <laughs> mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it could be read in every. It could be read in anything, but to write on it, it has to have this like one thing that Panasonic recognizes. I see. Which is dumb, but I hate it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, expensive junk that we're <laughs> trying to hack, um, I've decided that I'm oh. going to build some scrim gyms. Oh, Alex went own. down a deep, deep hole today. I did. I did. Uh, so we have these um, PhotoFlex light panel kits. Um, we got we got them at an auction. 
They're like uh, we got so many of them. We got eight of them. We got got eight eight of them. them. They're large. They're large. They're um. They're like uh, uh, maybe six foot by um, three. Three. Yeah, let's say three by three. Three by six. That's a pretty good something like that. And um, they have a silk that goes over them. Mm -hmm. Um, They're break apart frames that kind of like are held together with bungee cords so they snap back into place but they're yeah. kind of fl- flimsy they don't really have a good connection uh like you can't mount them into a grip head they have their own special little plastic yeah. thing that you clamp on to a stand I, and it's not very um positionable they're kind of annoying they're a little annoying but so, they're very handy when you when you're on set and you need something you need to put up you know uh, a a silk a large Tall, um, silk shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I've decided that I'm going to make my own scrim gyms because scrim gym. Oh man! Well, what I really wanted was a four by four kit, something like the Road Flags mm-hmm. Two. Mm-hmm. Um, Shamara makes one, although it's not as robust. Um, and then scrim uh, Westcott makes uh, the C forty seven DP kit, yep. which has like silk. Um, floppy flag, which is somewhat unique. Yeah. Um, and a couple other things. Um, but like everything in this like industry, everything, it's all really expensive. Super expensive. So the road flags kit is like six hundred bucks. <sighs> the C forty seven DP kit is six hundred bucks. <sighs> it's all six hundred bucks. Yeah, I know that's like the sweet spot that's of like, like just ripping you number. off. But the thing about the the C forty seven DP kit is you only get one of them, whereas. Uh, the road flags for six hundred dollars. You, you only get, get one. Yeah, well, screw that. You get two frames with the road flags kit. Oh, I but like still, that. that's like that's a lot of dough. That is a lot know? of dough for just kind of for something really yeah simple. So yeah. I went online and I found um, this source for basically the same exact materials that they used to make them, um, and I've decided I'm going to make them for a fraction of the cost, mm. and then either. Save that money. Buy the silks and the the reflectors and all that kind of stuff and the flags. Um, or perhaps maybe we'll explore the idea of making those as well. Yeah. But um, you find the right material. The material is not the the part I'm worried about. Oh, really? It's the um, um, making it look. Decent, because it's gonna bug me if it's like ugly. I know Alex is like I, Alex is like I will do what it takes to make to save some money as long as it doesn't look stupid. Yeah, if it looks real dumb, I don't want it because <laughs> because then I look real dumb when I show up on set with these homemade janky things. Yeah, I know. Um, I know we already show up on set with old stuff because we're like, hey, we just saved a lot of money on our car insurance, and so yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's different to show up on set with like old like stands and stuff that look like they've been used um, compared to something that looks like uh, your fourth grader made it in like arts and crafts class. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Slightly yeah. different. Slightly different. One is just like, oh yeah, I use this. I work a lot. Maybe that's what it suggests. Or it's like I got this used. Whatever. No biggie. Versus, like, I spent $5 and made this myself, and it might catch on fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the biggest thing. We just don't want anything to catch on fire and, you know, maim us. Um, yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to make some of those. Pretty excited about it. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to tell them what you're going to do even more? A little one step further, what we're looking at? Um, what was that? Light mat. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Westcott makes these... Uh, 
flexible light panels, LED, mm-hmm. um, and it incorporates with their sort of scrim gym type snap together frame yep. to create like a rigid structure for it when needed, and then you can pull it out and use it all flexy if you want. Uh, but I also found uh, a source of some LED strips that are high CRI, like 90, 95. That's which is pretty nice. That's pretty basic these days. It better be that. If not, it's yeah. it's a POS. And so we could rig those up on a mat and then use the frames to create basically the same exact fixture for once again <sighs> fraction of the price. Fraction. And and these are dimmable. Yeah. I mean not uh, not dimmable but bicolor. bicolor. Dimmable. Uh, bicolor dimmable. And dimmable. Oh, and dimmable. And so um, the ones that are out there on there are usually daylight dimmable. Yeah. But this Bicolor. Bicolor. And what I'd like to do, uh-huh. so we have some crazy, <sighs> some crazy four by four LED yep. uh, fixtures, yep, which are cool, but they use LED tubes, uh, which is fine. Yeah, they're, and they're not, they're then not, uh, bicolor. You have to switch out the tubes to different color temperatures, kind of like, you know, Kinos. Yeah. Um, and we only have, um, Tungsten and daylight, and yeah. you can try to like mix them, I guess. Yeah, if but you can do that kind of stuff. But and they're huge. Um, they're big. Ginormous. So I would love to create a four by four light mat, essentially, and then create a break apart four by four frame to stick it in. Yeah, and then put it on a C stand, and uh, then it's like boom shaka laka. Yeah, good and, to go. And not only that, but they're heavy. They're heavy. They're ma- they're metal frames. To, yeah. to support all and those pretty tubes. Big. With like junior, you need a junior stand. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like with these, you could do it with the C stand versus a junior stand. Yeah. And it's super light, less heat, less power. I'm all for it, man. Let's start making these. I think it'd be pretty cool. That'd be, and it'd be pretty fun too. Pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that is one of our, uh, that is, that is what Alex's his biggest project coming up is. Yeah. Um, where uh, Alex's other project that he's been working on as I've been doing this uh, White Cloud stuff is uh, we are um, putting together a business plan. Now, you know, we always talk about how, oh, yeah, we have another opportunity, another opportunity. Well, that's just how it goes in this industry. You always take any opportunity you can get not and only, run with Not it. only you take any opportunity you can get, you try Create to make own. as yes. many opportunities as possible. Yes. And so... We have an opportunity to, um, you know, give get uh, some films in front of people's eyes, like some ideas that we have. Um, and Alex putting together a business plan of this with like research and numbers and all nerdy stuff, and it looks yep. pretty sweet. Uh, so we're going to be sending that out soon, trying to partner with some people to uh, get some money. Yeah, that'd be start, nice. That'd be nice. You know, start making some films. Yeah. Uh, you know. Be the next Josh Trank. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Chronicle and uh, Fantastic Four. Never heard of it. Yeah. Was an editor and uh, directed web series and then went and directed a studio film. <laughs> and then he crashed and burned. Um, but, uh, no. I don't want to do that. I know. Yeah, we'll, we'll scrap that. Um, but, yeah, so we're gonna we're putting this package together and at some point when the time is right, when the iron is hot, they say, and you strike it. Yes. Uh, we're going to send it out and talk to some people about a partnership and uh, get that going and possibly shoot some movies, which is what we all want to do. Yes, indeed. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, what else we got? What else we got, Alex? Let's see. Oh, we're doing a little equipment uh, liquidation on some things. Yeah. To try to make room for new. Yeah. Uh, we- trying to uh, 
get rid of some HMIs that we have just left over. Yeah. Um, some of those uh, light panels kits that I mentioned, the PhotoFlex ones. Yeah, maybe some of our uh, hives because we have 10 of them. We don't really ever need that many. Yeah. Um, and they're in pretty good condition. Um, and so that kind of stuff, um, just so, you know, we, cause moving on to our next one, we have, you know, some potential projects coming down the pipeline from, uh, that grew out of this pilot that we shot and we need a little bit of different equipment for it. And it's stuff that we've wanted to buy, but we've held off because, you know, didn't really need it. But if this comes through, it's kind of one of those things you gotta buy the stuff so that we can then rent it and make the money back mm-hmm. or else we're renting it from someone else and paying them our, all of our money. So don't want to yeah. do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. What else do we that, have? Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, so we might be doing some other pilots. might be doing some movies with the people that we worked on the pilot with this weekend. Uh, looking forward to it. Actually, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be two weekends ago. Um, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, exciting stuff. You know, things are kind of moving. And I'm sure Alex will have a crazy deal he's going to try and swing at some point. But hey. For what? Keeps these, I don't know. You're going to find something. I already found something. Oh, God, what is it? <laughs> what is it? No, it's not going to work. I already, I already talked to the guy, and it's just nev- it's never going to happen. Tell me. Uh, there was a... <laughs> this is fantastic. There was a guy who was selling, who's liquidating his entire studio in North Hollywood. Oh, gear. No. Okay. Uh, and it's not great gear. Yeah. You know? Uh, and it was also sets. Uh, oh! But no, well, you, no, don't you, get too excited, uh, because okay. it's for... It was for a puppet show. So it's like miniature sets. Um, okay. I mean, I like miniatures. So cool. Sure. Yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah. Um, and I was going to try to pull a uh, Video Village deal with him where oh. it's like, because he was like, got to get rid of it. Everything must go, need it out. So I was going to try to say, hey, we'll take it off your hands and sell things off for you. So it's like out of your space because uh, I'm, I'm assuming you need to get out of there for some financial reason. Yeah. Uh, and we'll sell it off and reach a point where we'll pay you and pay you off and then keep the remainder for mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And how'd that go? Well, he already sold off a bunch of it. No! <laughs> I know. Damn it. All right. Big bummer. I was plan- I was excited about having a puppet show. You know, that wouldn't be the weirdest thing we have. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fine with that. Um, uh, yeah, that, uh, damn it. Yeah, good thing you didn't tell me about that because I'd be super stoked about that and then yeah. just be let up to Just more molivators and like big more Richardson lights and stuff. Oh, uh, we sold one molivator. I mean, we could. That's true. Uh, we could always sell it and maybe liquidate it and see what happens. But yeah, all right. All right. Well, you know, worse things have happened than not getting that. Oh, yeah. Just another thing we have to worry about. Exactly. Uh, so, okay. Um, on to the main topic. I think we've, we've filled them in on everything that's going on with us. Yeah, we a spent lot way of, too much yeah. time on ourselves. Holy stupid, shit, did stupid we? Stupid stuff that we Holy shit. Super not important. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that that was probably a good 20 minutes on just our stuff, and that's not important. And yeah. we just droned on because it's not that important. And most of the time, we can't even tell you about it because it's a project coming soon. I know. And then it never it's a happens. mystery project. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, actually, we have our first kind of like topic that was sent in from a listener. That's right. So, yay. Thanks, Mitch Fotts. Yeah. This question is for Mitch. Because you are the first person to take an interest in this podcast. Yeah. He messaged us on fearlessfilmmaker.com. Yep. Yep. yep, Sent sent us a message and he said, 
What did he say? He said, "I'd be interested in hearing what kinds of work your studio does to pay the bills while you work on your short and feature projects, and how this work has changed over the years as you've gotten traction." Well, Mitch, you're in luck because we have a production company. Yes, we've had made, we've had bills we've had to pay over the oh, years, gosh, and we still do, and we still do, and we've been making money from our production company. So <laughs> you are in luck. We have some answers. Some yeah. maybe I wouldn't say answers because no. we kind of like just. Uh, Fumble our way through. Yeah, that's just the story of our life. We kind of fumble and bumble our way through life and somehow... You know, it's kind of funny. Every time uh, we have a slow... It's really weird. Every time we have a slow time in terms of selling gear and like projects, all of a sudden we get hit with five of them at a time. Yeah. Either we get three things sold and then two projects or some other way around. It's, it's really weird. We have a really weird way of always... Things always working out for us. We do. I also think uh, I've noticed... We have the tendency to get gigs in like the November, December, January region. Mm, mm, that's a good point. Because I always, my my parents even commented on it over the holiday break. They were like, oh, you don't have your computer. You always are doing work that's over true. the holiday. That's and uh, I was like, yeah, you're right. You're and right. I was like, wait a second. How come we don't have... And then oh, January God, we don't hit, have work. <laughs> then January yeah. hit, and we're like, oh, my God, I have so much stuff. I know, and we do. Um, so yeah, so, um, we're going to walk you through like the life of a production company. Me and Alex started our production company. You're just looking this up for a business plan. When? Um, in June, June 21st, 2013. And you know, what? it's kind of funny. Um, we had a production company. We are, that's when we officially started our production company in LA, in LA. We had our production company. You know, we tell people we had a production company. We had the name Gilded Cinema for a while, but then it hit that we were getting gigs that required us to be an LLC. Yeah. Um, and so that's when we actually founded the LLC. Good to go. We're a legit company. Yeah, um, we kind of, we, we, we went back and forth. We actually made the LLC first in Delaware. Yeah. Because we thought that was the thing you were supposed to do. But then shortly realized that that wasn't going to work for us because yeah. uh, certain gigs required that you were a... a, a company in the actual state yep. which makes sense because it's not like yeah. production is like an online company where you can just do it anywhere yeah but um so then we dissolved that and then yep. redid it yep. here in uh in la in california uh and on that date so when we started out um you know me and alex were each working different jobs and it was one of those things where um you know we had different expertise. Alex was a shooter um, first, DP first. I was a director, editor first and all that. But we all, we basically had the same idea of what we wanted to do and all that. So that's why we formed a production company. But then we realized we needed money because we wanted to buy stuff. Yep. And that's pretty much right. And so it was kind of one of those things is like as freelancers, before we had our production company, everything that we did freelance would go to our pockets. Yeah, um, you know, and it was pretty um, slim, I would say. I mean, it was like, you know, the typical freelancer deal where you spend two weeks trying to find a gig, you get a gig that lasts for two days, and then you yeah. spend another week to find another job, and it's just like, yeah, you know, this weird juggling of your time and trying to get gigs and do gigs, and yep. it's just like kind of a strange strange thing yeah it is it it's a i mean even now still freelancing is a strange thing yeah it's worrisome if <laughs> if it's all you've got yeah that's for sure yeah and so what we did is we you know 
I had a, we both went to USC. I had a connection with working at USC with people. And so we started off with our production company doing some demos um, for free. Um, yeah. You know, I had talked to people I had worked with before and I said, hey, you know, if you're looking for video work. Um, and they're like, yeah. I remember we did a demo um, for uh, my old job where it was uh, kind of like the um, heads-up display that you see in Iron Man in the um, Iron Man suit in the visor. But this was more interactive where we were – like I was touching imaginary stuff and swiping things off the screen and all that. Um, if you can't see Trevor, which you can't, he's doing it yeah. here in the studio yeah, for that's, you. I'm just – yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> just you know, trying to amp myself up. Um, but so we did that for free and sent it off to some people. Did a lot of demos. Small animations, whiteboard animations, and all that for free in hopes of drumming up business. Um, and we got some gigs out of that. Um, we got some smaller gigs. And we also, at one point, we sent mailers. So we sent, we had the idea that, you know, we knew people at USC. We knew who to talk to because that's the people we talked to at USC. So we sent out little postcards. I mean, we went hardcore. We sent out postcards. With all the work we had done, you know, for Larry and stuff like that, and like on our own, um, still shots of it, um, and we put them in envelopes and we wax sealed them with our logo. That's right. And we sent them to all the different schools at USC. And as- the reason we did that, oh yeah, is because um, a people like getting mail. Mm-hmm. when it's not junk mail. Yep. And a postcard seems like junk mail immediately, but when it's in an envelope. It doesn't, and if it's in an envelope with a wax seal, it especially doesn't. Yeah, even exactly. though it is, even though it looks like it's an invitation, <laughs> and what that invitation is is to give us money to do something. Correct. Um, <laughs> um, and so we sent those mailers to the same people in all the other departments at USC, as well as other colleges. And so I would recommend if you are, you know, Mitch, if you're in an area where there's some schools there, even if they're small schools, universities, uh, high schools, you know. Not even just schools, but companies. Yeah. Go to them and uh, either give a mailer, send a mailer to them, or just walk in and talk to them and say, hey, can I, who who here can I talk to about possibly, um, you know, doing some video work for for you? Uh, We also recommend going on just find local companies not big conglomerates but like mom and pop shops or maybe like small chain restaurants in your area and check out their website and see if they have any videos see if they have a YouTube presence if not that's something you can go to them and say hey I can do videos for you for relatively cheap um, yeah or even better if they have videos already Oof. and they're outdated and they're outdated or they're really bad um, and this might be where you have to do a demo for free and then they'll give you business. Yeah, plus uh, one thing, like Trevor was saying, I've been doing this business plan with all this info and data and Mm -hmm. stuff. I think that stuff is very important, especially when you're talking with business people. And so I think it's good to come into places like that with information about why it's important to have good video. Yep. Because as we all know from social media and and, uh, people's uh, attention span and just what works the best video is one of the best things um, to get people's attention. And so having videos that are good is actually very important for companies. And so it's just a matter of convincing them of that, letting them know the facts um, and displaying your talents to them so that you're the guy they go to for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and uh, one of the people that we worked that we got some work from at USC said, you know, she had there was other companies she could contact, but she liked us. She liked hanging out with us, talking with us. So she yeah. knew that when she had to do a, uh, I think we did a one week video shoot with her, plus the edit. She knew that it was going to be she was going to enjoy hanging out with us during the day. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't going to be. It wasn't going to be. Dry. Annoying having to go back and forth between you know the revisions yeah. and yeah you know feeling like we're annoyed or like we're mean or we're yeah. grumpy or whatever it's yeah. like no yep that's um, that's super important yeah there's also Tongle and a lot of websites like Tongle and what it does is is brands will put up prompts and you make a video or you it, with Tongle it's you make a pitch and then. It's a couple rounds, and you can actually be chosen to make uh, video projects for big brands and get paid. And that's one way to do it, but it's cutthroat, and you kind of have to do the video before you know it's going to get picked and you get money, which sucks. Yeah, and actually, yeah, I don't know. We we never got anything from Tongle because uh, we only actually applied to like maybe three of them. Yeah. And then we realized that it we didn't love the format of it. Um, because we came into it pretty late and a lot of it was based on, uh, the people's previous Tongle work, yeah. which some people had like hundreds of Tongle things they'd done yeah. and we had none. So yeah. it was going to be really hard to, to get, um, gigs in that, in that way. Cause we couldn't at the time, um, show outside work that we we had done, you know, we couldn't post up other things that we'd done that were outside of the Tongle mm-hmm. ecosystem. So, um, it, to them, basically we had no experience, which was, you know, tough to compete with. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to do it, I think they've changed that now. We haven't gone back to it really no. since, but, uh, I think you can now actually post up different, um, outside projects. Outside projects. And I would yeah. highly, highly, because we actually got really close with one pretty large yeah. project. Yeah. It was going to be like a tour um, across the U.S. That was going to be a crazy thing. Uh, but we we got pretty far because we started kind of contacting and being in touch with the people at Tongle about it. So if you have um, uh, a really cool idea that you really like and you think it's great, I would suggest reaching out to the people at Tongle and saying, hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Um, I want some advice on this little aspect or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just sort of like open the gates so that they know who you are. A, um, you're asking them for help, uh, maybe a little bit, or just yeah. like um, saying, "I want to make this the best it can, can can be." Here's my two options. Which one do you think is the best for, yeah. for this project or whatever? Just sort of get them involved. Um, that way, if it comes down to it, they they might remember yours more or have. Um, the ability to sort of like say, yeah, I think these guys are, look pretty good to the, the clients or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it just might give you that little extra oomph. Yep. Um, and then we also, this is, you know, when you're starting small, you don't have much to show people what you can do. And so we took uh, a less money to start shooting cooler things that would really look good on a reel because we knew the reel would sell us for bigger clients and bigger projects. So we shot a bunch of stuff, some stuff we shot for free, some stuff we shot spec commercials and stuff like that, uh, just knowing that it will look good um, and get us those bigger clients and those bigger paydays. And then um, that helped us build up our reel, and we had a pretty solid reel when we were showing it around, and people kind of liked 
liked what we were doing and what we had done. So uh, uh, that's another uh, thing to do when you are starting out your production company and trying to get clients to get uh, a little bit of money for either living monies or buying monies. Yeah, and one of those things um, I'll tell you is was for The Rock, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, of course you can't pass that up no matter what they're paying. But this was like the very first YouTube video for The Rock. Um, so they didn't really have a budget for it. But the uh, mastermind behind the whole thing wanted to try to make it as epic as possible. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to use all sorts of you know equipment and have like a big crew or whatever. And like no one was really... We got 300 bucks total for the shoot. Yeah. Um, with all of our equipment. With all of our equipment that would have normally you know cost several thousand dollars. Yep. Um, uh, but we did it for the experience to have it on a reel, um, and it led to uh, other projects with that company, Studio Seventy One, and yep. it also, um, I'm sure, has led to other things as well because just having that on the reel has been oh yeah killer. When you, you see a reel with with uh, the Rock on it, and everyone knows who the Rock is, and it definitely helps you out. Um, and then also we did small one-off gigs. Um, you know, we did, uh, uh, like Alex said, we did the rock for $300, but we also did like small little editing jobs for 200, you know, some editing jobs here for three or four. Um, some Alex did some VFX and some coloring for, for some, uh, monies. That's right. Um, yeah. I had to have one coloring gig <laughs> on my, on my IMDB. It was for a short film. And I mean, I just literally did it for like the couple hundred bucks that I was, cause at the time. Definitely needed that. It was like I I hadn't colored anything before. Yeah. Um, and it was I just stepped out of my comfort zone because I needed the extra money, and it was like, all right, let's try this. I feel like that when you're first starting out and you're freelancing, you're trying to like cast a super wide net, mm-hmm. and you see what comes in. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's crazy things. Sometimes you get a. Do a uh, job to do th- some 3D uh, VFX for a multi-billion-dollar yeah. conglomerate. It doesn't work out. That's true. Um, That's but, true. That happened. That happened to me. Yep. Uh, but <laughs> it was. I mean, yeah. Who knows? Who knows what that was all about? But <laughs> there was a lot to that. Um, and then also uh, another thing when you're starting off to make some money is to rentals with ShareGrid. Now rentals are so much easier. Um, you know, Mitch, I know you had mentioned that you just had, you just bought a Panasonic Evo One. Congratulations. Welcome Very to the family. Nice. Welcome to the family. Um, and you have, you know, you have two, uh, you have some primes and you have a cinema zoom. And so, you know, rent those out, put those out there. You're not going to be filming every weekend. Um, people rarely are. And the worst thing you can do is just buy, spend a lot of money on equipment, and just let it sit there and not make you money. Um, so start putting it up on ShareGrid. Um, we've had nothing but good experiences on ShareGrid. Every time there's been an issue, it gets solved. And uh, our equipment makes us money when we're not filming, and it's great. Um, and that's how you can make money to buy more stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, it's. I think it can be scary when it's your only thing. You know, yeah. And, oh and, and man, having the possibility of having it be rented out when all of a sudden a, a gig pops up and you need to shoot with it, and you would get you would get paid way more for this gig than yeah. you would for the rental. So that's yep. kind of like a scary thing. Um, so maybe start small and rent things that you have duplicates of or that you don't use as much. So like if you 
find that you're not uh, using the Zoom as much as you are the Primes or whatever, yeah. rent the Zoom out. Yeah. Um, and just sort of start small and uh, go from there. And like as you make a little bit money of money from it, set it aside. And then you can buy more gear and then rent that out and all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of how we um, have managed to sort of build up our equipment list. And as well, it kind of helps pay for our studio space in general. Um, but I think having the extra gear um, that you don't use all the time while causing extra problems, like yeah. needing more space to put yep. it, um, will help in the rental department because then it becomes a lot easier because, you know, if all of a sudden someone's renting, someone rented three of our lights, mm -hmm. um, if we only had a three light kit, we would be screwed if we, if a shoot came up, but we have many more lights than that. So, yeah. you know, it's just like spreading it out. So it's a little bit safer. Well, also, and uh, you know, not this, that this is ideal, but it will take away some of the apprehension you'd have to renting out your stuff. You know, put your stuff up there. If it gets rented out, you know, you can always rent somebody else's and maybe you won't have as much money from the shoot as you did before. But, you know, more often than not, you're not going to be needing that piece of equipment you rented out. And if all of a sudden you get a last minute gig, rather than say, well, I don't have my equipment, go rent a piece of equipment to replace the one that you rented out. Yeah, if, if for not, less. For less, yeah. So you're still making some money. And if you have to rent it for the same amount that you rented yours out, well, then you're, you're breaking even, but you're getting a gig that you wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, that's true. And you're you're making a rental connection. Yep. Because, I mean, we have people that are repeat renters. They come back and rent usually the same thing over and over again from us, and sometimes mm -hmm. they rent more. Um, so having that connection is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's how we started. That's how we started our production company making money. Um, it wasn't also, a lot. Oh. I'll also add with the oh. rental thing. Uh huh. Um, starting out as a shooter when I didn't have a lot of stuff on my reel and I was younger. Yeah. And all my friends were younger too. I mean, I th I don't know if it would work the same now if I was like just getting into it, but um, I feel like I got a lot of the opportunities that I got because I was the guy with the gear. Yeah. Um. And so people would come to me and say, hey, do you want to gaff this project or do you want to shoot this project? Um, we need you and your gear. Uh, and whether it was free or not, um, I just think having it gave me the opportunity to do more stuff because people were like, well, I can get him and the gear instead of having to like find mm -hmm. the gear separately and rent it and pay yeah. all this money. And granted, that's like somewhat uh, uh, exploitative <laughs> of myself. Yeah. Uh, but when you're first starting out and you're young and you're doing stuff and you're just trying to like make it with it. I mean, everyone's in the same boat. I mean, no one's really making a ton of dough. It's not like my friends were pulling in like <laughs> like 10 grand on something yeah. and they, weren't, they were not paying me at all. It's like, that's not what it was. No one was getting paid. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's it's fine. I mean... I am, we have a whole like other episode about this, but yeah. I'm fine with that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. um, so, and it leads to other things. Like if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have gotten um, The Rock. I wouldn't have gotten Larry. I wouldn't have gotten yeah. anything. You know, it's like, it all just leads to something. It so. definitely does. And you never know where the connection comes from. We shot the pilot this weekend and we're producers on it because a guy, the producer on it, um, wanted to buy a shoulder rig from us because we had the gear. Um, yeah. and that led to us didn't, now didn't just want, he bought the shoulder rig from the us yeah, he bought just, the shoulder. it was like a Craigslist uh, yeah. exchange 
and he came and he saw everything that we had, all our gear, and was like, "Well, you guys have a lot. What do you guys do?" And we just started talking about stuff, and then. <laughs> And now um, we're producing a pilot and probably producing a TV show and movies. So <laughs> yeah. you never know where it comes from. Um, exactly. So take any connection you can get. So back to what I was saying before Alex rudely interrupted me. Yeah. Um, and what I was saying is that that's kind of how we started small. Oh, by the way. I was, <laughs> I was waiting for that <laughs> asshole. It's like, he's going to do it again. I just know it. Waiting for the joke. Waiting for the joke. Um. So that's how we kind of got started small. You know, it takes a little bit to build up when you're doing the small things. But as you build up, then you can move on to the bigger things. And that's what happened with us. So by doing all that stuff and having a reel and knowing that we did outside projects, even from Larry, uh, working at Aura, we got outside gigs. Um, you know, we got uh, – people came to us and were like, hey, I heard you um, – you." edit outside of Larry and they had shot something at Larry's studio that Larry wasn't involved with, or it was an independent thing that they paid Larry to do. And they, something else, we got an editing gig of an infomercial off of that, that paid pretty well. Yeah. Um, the USC gigs blew up because we were able to show them that we had, you know, experience working within the USC system in terms of invoicing and, uh, you know, making sure we were an improved vendor through USC. And we got a huge gig from USC, and that paid for, I mean, gobs of equipment for us yeah. um, and money to us. And, um, and, and also we got large one-off gigs, you know, where it was just these big gigs that were just one-time video. It wasn't an ongoing thing. It was just somebody yeah. that we had worked with on one of our projects led us to another project, led us to another project. And all of a sudden we were doing these giant... Well, edits. I would I would like to say we're still in the schmedium section yeah. right now. So when you say giant, I feel like people are yes. are, are assuming yeah. that we're talking like huge. Yeah, okay. I would say giant compared to what we were doing before. Yeah, I, I, which is I would say like ten to fifteen grand. Yeah, like, well, know, the USC gig one twenty. That was no the big big one. Well, you're jumping ahead to my logger section, which is. Um, bigger USC gigs. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're true. Yeah. Yeah. So we still like we had we had the, ten and the OT ten, one, yeah, which was like ten to grand. Fi- ten to fifteen to twenty grand um, through USC. The um, um, the butt pills infomercial yeah. was like fifteen. 15. Yep. Uh, feeding San Diego was like five. Yeah. Ruju was, was like five. Or yeah. Seven. Berman was. That was only a couple grand. That was oh, only three. Couple, yeah, like, three or four. Yeah. Yeah. But that was an easy one. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we, and also we were able to do projects that didn't necessarily pay, but just gave us a little more creativity. Like we did some pilots for Aura, for Larry's company that we didn't get paid that much for, but we were in charge of it. It was our idea. We shot, edited it, came up with the concept and all that, wrote it. And that kind of just helped build our reel and build our, our reputation, even within the company of being the guys that you could go to, to get shit done. Yeah, and I'd say even though we didn't get paid a lot ourselves for it, it was the I think maybe the first time someone had said, "Here's some money, make things that you yeah. wanna, that you want to make." And because granted, we know we you guys can do it. Granted, we didn't have like full freedom you on it. Really like do. we had a development executive who had um, ideas and stuff, and mm-hmm. had what he wanted to do, and we kind of like tried to do a combo both, uh, but. That was kind of like our first someone giving us money to sort of go and do something that we thought we wanted to do. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. And so 
That that was kind of the, the schmeeds, the schmediums that we built up into. And then we're talking like, what was that date again? 2006? Four. 2004 what? is when we started this company? No. What? 2006? Oh, God, yeah, no, that's... 2013. That's right, man, I'm... I am sleep deprived here, guys. I apologize. 2006? Yeah. We I hadn't still even college. graduated yet. I know. We were still both in college. <laughs> ah, man, I need some sleep. Um, no, 2014. So we're talking, you know. 13. 2013. So we're talking now mm, five and a half years. We still got a little ways to go. Yeah. Um, so five and a half years, we're talking about probably about three years in. We're, we're in the Schmeeds area. Yeah. I think so. Three, three, four years in, we're Schmeeds because we're just starting to get into the giant, the larger, larger, as Alex wrote on this. Yeah, the larger. Yeah, the larger. The larger gigs. Yeah, the larger gigs. Gigs, um, and that's that's you know year five and six. Um, so you're thinking like maybe two years in each section to, to should give you enough time to build up to make uh, your production company something that's self sustainable. Um, you know, not everyone has a studio that we know who has a production company. We're lucky to find the one that we did. I mean, um, super lucky. Uh, especially for the price. <laughs> and If as it well, wasn't the press, we wouldn't have yeah, a studio, exactly, period. Exactly. Um, and especially because we just needed a place to pull over gear, and it was not that much more expensive than two storage units. Um, and we just we got also got lucky in doing a bunch of you know lo- auctions and buying stuff and reselling it and getting money that way too. But now we're in year we're getting into year six, and we're into the larger larger lager, yeah, the larger gigs, the larger gigs. Um, and that is, you know, what I jumped the gun on the giant USC project, eighty thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, that was huge. That that paid for a lot of stuff. Um, and then we got another one that was what, like forty? Yeah, another 45. one that was forty-five. Um, and and we started working with companies independently that had lots of VC backing and a lot of uh, investors like Playboy, Studio Seventy-One, Pocket Watch, Machinima, um, and doing more with Aura too. Yeah. Um, and you know it's stuff like we've gotten reputations now around the industry, not huge reputations that everyone knows about us, but those who do know about us know that they can come to us because we're kind of a one-stop shop. We can shoot, we can develop, shoot, edit, deliver all in-house. Yeah. Um, and that kind of has helped us get bigger gigs. So it's about a two-year process for each section, small, medium, and larger. Yeah. And now um, I would say, I would also like to point out that throughout all of these sections, we're still... I think the most important part is that we're just doing stuff yeah, and trying to get better because, um, you know, that's how you are able to get the bigger stuff. Because, I mean, just working for Larry, prior to working for Larry, my shooting skills were basically that of just like natural light with like a DSLR. It was like a small child was lighting things. Yeah, pretty much exactly right. Like a small child would would do no lighting, and that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it was all yeah. just kind of like he was like a college he was like a college frat boy. He loved his natural light, natty light. Yeah, that's exactly right. I did um, mostly because I didn't know anything else. I didn't, you know. Yeah. But um, over time, things you know, I started learning outside, like taking it upon myself to learn. Um, 
hashtag uh, check out our previous episode. <laughs> and um, hashtag please and like it on <laughs> iTunes, um, which uh, allowed us, along with sort of like growing our equipment, mm-hmm. uh, growing our reel, growing our expertise. Like you sort of like incrementally get better in all these areas, yeah. and it, it sort of just happens. You know, it's not. I wouldn't say that. I mean, yes, we are constantly working and we're constantly like looking for the next thing or pitching stuff or putting together packets and approaching people. And like, we're doing all that stuff, but it doesn't seem like work. I don't know. It's, it's weird because it seems to me like it would, natural it would progression. Just, it just happens. Yeah. It's yeah. like natural. And, and to piggyback on that, we're going to these people with, um, you know, these packages and these setting up deals and all that. And I would say that year five, six is when I feel not only do, can we handle anything they throw at us? Uh, we are equipped in terms of just skill level and experience now. Um, but people don't look at us as like, who are these guys? They can't do this. This is big boy territory and these guys are small fries. I think we've built up enough of a reputation enough of a, a resume as you could say to go to people and be like hey and they won't laugh us right out of the room they'll be like okay let's talk about this yeah exactly um, right. and and that's like the thing like now we're moving on the bigger things like the 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 pilot that we shot this is what we're going to be aiming for a 10 episode pilot a 10 episode series uh season one that we're going to try and get on you know cable tv um and you know, have legit budgets and crew and all that. And I feel that it's not overwhelming at all because we've, we've worked up to this. Yeah. And I think, uh, it's one of those things where, and we've talked about this before too, as you're going along, you're always like, Oh, I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. But looking back, you know, now that we are where we are looking back several years ago, it's, we weren't ready. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't have been able to really do it to the best quality. And even now, I mean, we'll be able to say that 10 years from now as well. Yeah. Uh, And it just will never end. I feel like we'll always get better and hopefully, you know, just constantly be growing. But like, it's just great. I I honestly look back and if like someone brought a TV pilot to us um, three years ago, I don't think it would have been great. No, no. It's kind of funny. I just read something. uh, You know who Joe Cornish is? Uh, is he the guy that, uh, invests in hens? Yeah, I knew it was, I knew it was coming. Knew there was going to be some kind of cornish game hen joke in there. (sighs) Never fails. He never fails, guys. He's predictable. Uh, he is the guy who did attack the block. Remember that movie? Uh Uh-huh. Aliens in the Apartments. Quite good. Yep. So that was his debut. And that was six years ago. And he's just coming out with his next movie now. Yeah, what's it's it that, called? It's that the king, the kid who would be king. It's like that kid, or that King Arthur take. My God. Yeah, which people say is great. It's a great family film. Awesome, all that. What but, a strange, what a strange what, path he's. He gone. said it, he said that that's a movie he's wanted to do since he was like six. So that's cool. I'll give him more power to him. Sure. But everyone was wondering why he didn't do like progress himself, and you know, because there was rumors that he was offered. When J.J. Abrams left Star Trek to go and do Star Wars, yeah. that he was in line to do Star Trek. And he actually turned it down because he said he didn't think he was ready to do a giant blockbuster because he saw too many times these people, these directors that would do nice little Artur, 
films like Attack the Block or, you know, indie sci-fi movies like that. And then they jump into a bigger project and just flame out and fail and come out battered and bruised. And I feel I, that, but Attack the Block was like pretty yeah. intense. It had, it had VFX. Yeah. It had like celebrities. Yeah. Well, I mean, who is a celebrity? They're celebrities now. You don't think what's his face from uh, from Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead was a celebrity? Was he in that? It's been so long since I've seen Attack the Block. Uh, it's uh, not Simon Pegg, but the other guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, I mean, you get celebrities in movies because they're just looking for a paycheck sometimes. Right, but I'm just saying he's uh, like he's yeah. worked with celebrities uh-huh. in that movie. Um, yeah. The, uh, production design, I mean, like, but effects, if, it's like all there. It's just to a higher degree. But I get it. I would be freaked yeah, out. But look at, like, um, on a temple, um, it's like Colin Trevorrow. You gotta maintain a franchise that has, like, expectations with yeah. fans and stuff. I mean, that's the pressure to me. Colin Trevorrow worked with stars during Safety Not Guaranteed, had VFX at the end, and then he went to Borderline. I mean, yeah, the, but the end, did you end. Did you see it? Uh huh. It's the mm. end. The end, like the, like what I liked. It wasn't super effects heavy, but it was enough at the end that it was like okay. Yeah, but if you look at those effects, I mean, those were like those were like nineteen ninety five After Effects effects. <laughs> those weren't those weren't like True. CG monster interacting with real like those. The effects in Attack the Block were like real effects. <laughs> and, CGI and, creatures. And, yeah, and character design, and like yeah. I mean, it was like real real deal stuff. Um, the, but yeah, but so he just said that, that he wasn't ready and like, they thought he was ready, Yeah, but he dug deep down and said, I'm not ready. And I feel that if somebody would have offered something to us, we probably would have been like, let's do this. And it probably would have been terrible. Oh my God. It would have been so bad. Would have been so bad. Yeah. And so I feel that when right now we're ready, like you want us to do a feature film and eh, that's fine. We can do that. Yeah. Wants to do a TV pilot. That's fine. I feel like now we're ready for like an attack the block. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah. I, and I, I feel the same way where I'm not ready to take on like a Star Trek. That'd be crazy. Yeah. If talk. anybody came up to us and offered us to give, offered to give us Star Trek, I would take the money, do the movie and then say, this is on you guys. Cause yeah. you actually, this is what me. you get this is for not you doing your research. Yeah, Exactly. Like, come on, don't be an idiot. But no, but I mean, I, I feel we can we could take on not just, you know, your indie, like, you know, $200,000 movie. We could shoot a million dollar movie. I have no doubt yeah. um, without a problem. Easy. Um, and so that's that's kind of it. And um, so, Mitch, I'm sorry if we went all off on tangents here um, with the original question is, you know, what kind of work your studio does to pay the bills. But we just kind of took you to, through the progression of the uh, evolution of Gilded Cinema. Yeah. Um, we started small. We started doing, you know, local stuff. We started doing, you know, we knew somebody, YouTube kid wanted to do a video for 200 bucks. We did that. We weren't, you know, we weren't too proud. We weren't very picky. I mean, no. we're still not. No, we're still to not. To be honest with you yeah. there, Mitch. Um, we're you still know, not very picky because we'll do... Random YouTube videos for a thousand bucks for a friend. And that is because we just want more cool equipment. It really um, is. It really is. It really is just one of those things where like, why dig into the, the funds if we can just do this one-off video and buy a new camera, a new small DSLR with it? It's because we just want some cool equipment to play with. Um, but that's how we did it. We just kind of started small, built our way up. And um, I would recommend, you know, you said that you have a little work in VFX, a little experience with VFX. And stuff like that. Um, 
but I would definitely say like stuff like that, VFX, uh, motion graphics, uh, you know, title design and editing is something you can do at home and on the weekend. That's a lot easier because it's on your own pace. Um, and that's kind of yeah. how you can Plus, get going in I mean, the monies. We, I looked up the other day, um, Uh-oh. the price that, uh, or the, the amount that, uh, trailer editors get oh my God. on films it's like stupid expensive it's crazy don't you just get. like like we're okay. talking we're talking multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, for one trailer now i know i know it's a lot more that goes into trailer the person has to watch the movie you know figure out how to sure. tell the story and all that yeah. and so maybe it's a, it's a it's, month it's a specialized thing maybe it's a month of work yeah, but that's still six figs for a month of work, and you do even twelve of like, those. Even if it was six months of work, yeah, give me that. Yeah, for sure. Give Let's me that. It. Yeah. So yeah, like editing is is one of those things that you can do at home. You know, at night, uh, it's not too taxing of a thing, and that's how you can start building up your reel and then start getting into shooting. You said you had gear enough for a one man shoot. That's sometimes all you need, especially yeah. if you're going to small businesses around you. Plus it. Plus the second man, honestly, is is usually going to be a sound person, and those people yeah. have their own gear too. Exactly, and it's a whole specialty that yeah. you don't have to really focus on. So, um, you, I feel like you're on the right track there. I I think for me, mm-hmm. the thing that I've noticed most of all over the years has been um, myself struggling to find the right balance between um, uh, making enough money. Yeah. Um, doing things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then doing things that I want to do. So it's like I have found that I can make decent money yeah. doing motion graphics mm-hmm. and other kinds of graphics and stuff. Um, and that's all good and fine, but but I don't love it, the process of it, you know? Yeah. Mostly because... Um, like when you when you're doing design of any kind, and editing, you're dealing with a client um, yep. and notes and yeah. clients that don't know how to express notes clearly Ugh. or don't know what they want, yeah. uh, and then you have to decipher it or like make a dozen revisions just to try to get to what they want, um, and it it's very frustrating to me, and I've never liked it, but <laughs> it has been. I love doing graphics and effects and stuff on my, for my own stuff, mm-hmm. but it's never been something that I love doing for clients and for money uh, for that reason. Yeah. So for me, it's always I've always tried to limit that and pull it out of like my back pocket, have it in my back pocket for when I need it. Uh, and I think it's good to have a, a few of those things. Yeah. Uh, where you can just say, "Oh man, um, we haven't had something in a little while. I think it's time for me to sort of." Uh, spread my wings a little bit mm-hmm. and get back out there and do some stuff. Um, and I think it's good to have a few different uh, skills that you can fall yeah. back on like and, that. And then sometimes, you know, I go back to the um, who's the guy who directed um, uh, National Treasure, John Turtletop, yeah. where he said that you know some people said, "How do you get up?" You know, in the morning, uh, every six a.m. He said. You know what? Some days I just tell myself they're paying you a lot of money to do this. And so while, you know... But that's hard. That's harder when they're not paying you a lot of money yes, to do it. Yes, but, but what I was going to say 
is that sometimes you just have to suck it up and do the gigs you don't want to do to pay the bills. Yeah. Sometimes you have to take a gig. Like me and Alex go back and forth in this all the time. It's like, oh man, we have to, you know. I'm like, oh man, this would be pretty sweet if we can get this thing. He's like, oh, I really don't want to do it. I'm like, I don't want to do it either. But look at the how much it's going to pay us and how easy it is. And then, then what I usually do is I just dangle like a new piece of equipment in front of Alex. I'm like, then we could buy this. He's like, oh yeah, then we could. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh man, let's do it right now. Yeah, exactly. And so you just got to remember that sometimes you're going to do gigs that you don't want to do or that don't really challenge you creatively. But at the end of the day, you got to pay those bills, and if you want to build up your uh, equipment list, you gotta you gotta get that money. Yeah. But that being said, like you, you're back to your main question of how do you pay the bills while you work on your shorts and features? I think the reason I am adverse to these things is because I feel like if it's not needed or like super important, yeah, um, it takes away from the trajectory of our ideal path, which yeah. is to make the things that we want to be making. Um, because things like, for example, there was a project that mm. came up. Um, I submitted to it. It was like a random job board posting and I ended up getting it uh, partly probably because I actually ended up knowing the guy um, and it was for a thousand bucks. Um, and it was for a project called Berman's World. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So it was a two day shoot. Yep. Uh, which is fine. Yeah. And then in our studio, so it wasn't like studio. we had to go somewhere and set up. We had all of our equipment here. Yeah. Uh, but then the post production started happening, and it dragged on for what I believe is about six months. Yeah, about that. And yeah. then he still is, has hit us up recently, and. I get it. I mean, he wants the best thing that he can get. We want the most money for the least amount of work because, I mean... Taking away from our other projects. Taking away from our other projects. And the more we do, the less money we actually get in the end because he's Mm -hmm. not paying us to do more. It's just we're doing more. Yep. Um, So it's like things like that where you get into... that's That's why I have the adverse reaction. Yeah. Partly because... Um, I know. I just know. It's going to be bigger than it really is. It's going to be that way, no matter what. Like this this pilot, the shoot was fine. Two-day shoot, easy. 12-hour days, okay. Uh, It's going to take, you know, a little bit to edit the thing. Fine. Uh, Coloring, fine. Like, it's all these things are expected, but then it comes down to the revisions and dragging out the process of actually, like, settling on a finished product. And that's what I know is going to happen. Um, I just don't know how long it's going to take and it could take a month. It could take six months. Who knows? It did and it did. And then I get that and I get that. I definitely understand that and it can be frustrating at times. Um, and you know what? I keep telling myself that and I'm getting better at that. It's like, you know what? I waste so much time. Like I can't complain about having to do a project that pays the bills because when I'm not doing that project, I'm wasting so much time. That I feel like, well, you know what? That just means I have to get my ass in gear for the other projects. And so I need to do better at time management. And Sure. Um, but but yeah. I, I will say that like we are perhaps slightly different than um, what a normal freelancer is talking about or like yeah. a, a person with a company. Because we do have a regular gig. You go into... 
Yeah. Uh, Larry's studio every day. Yep. I go in three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's not, you know, we don't have a ton of time. Yeah, that's true. So it's like, yeah. it's either taken up by a project that we don't really want to do. Really do or a project that we do want to do. It's yeah. like one or the other. It's really hard to do yeah. more than one it, thing. Especially when you're married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sucks some time too. Uh, pay attention to me. Oh God. Oh, um, but no, no, I totally get what you mean. Um, and the, the goal is I, I keep hearing this quote. And I forget what it is. Is like, do one thing, find one hobby that pays you that one hobby that is, that, uh, helps your creative output in one hobby that like kind of gives you exercise and all that. And, and if you can make money from two of those things, you're doing all right. Like it's like a hobby for exercise, a hobby for creativity and a hobby for God, I forget what the third one was, but it's like, if you can get two of those things to pay, to get, you know, to pay you, then you're, you're, uh, then you're doing all right. I feel like whoever came up with that quote, um, like knows that it's not the hobby for exercise that's going to pay you. I mean, who's going to become like a side tennis uh, professional? Well, that would be Kyle <laughs> at Aura. <laughs> Does he make money from that? Oh yeah, he he yeah. Oh, he teaches. Yeah, he teaches. I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to remember what the actual thing is. Um, hobby that pays. That makes money. Oh, it's a good. It's a pretty good quote. Um, but I'll, I'll find it and I'll tell you guys what it is because I see it all the time. But I just can't for the life of me remember what it was. But something like that. It's like find a hobby for exercise, a hobby uh, for uh, mental stimulation, and a hobby for creativity or something like that. And if you can get those things to pay, if one of them pays, you're good to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Plus a hobby for sexual stimulation. Hey, and if you can get paid okay, for I'm, that, no, I'm not even joining then, in on this. Okay. No, nope. I can't even follow on that one. <laughs> uh, so Mitch, hopefully that answers your question. Um, if not, shoot us up on uh, F- fearless filmmaker. Shoot us up. All yeah. right. Wow. I really need to Go get some sleep. Uh, hit us up on, on fearless filmmaker. And, and if you need us to be more specific on what we exactly do, uh, we can definitely do that. But, just trying to make it general for everyone, but that—that that is what we do as a production company. We kind of do a, a, a you know, a smorgasbord of projects to pay the bills, um, and they've been getting bigger and bigger as we built up our reputation and our reel. Yeah, and I'll say that they're starting to converge with what we want to do. I feel like yeah. it's slowly getting there. It's I, we're at the we're at the edge of I it. I think we're at the precipice of. Being able to not only leave Larry, yeah, but do what we want and make a living Doing just on it. that, yeah, and and we're getting close. I, I'm very confident. I shouldn't be because I was confident about our project with the TV station and that fell through. Yeah, but that was like a deal. That that was like a yeah. That's something crazy that had to be done. But I feel confident with the people that we've surrounded ourselves with the past couple of weeks. The people we've met, their vision is is supplement to our vision and what they want to do seems to be on the same path as what we want to do. Yeah. Um, maybe in a different way, but it's like as they're going down their path, we could be on the, the, the side path or a parallel path and we meet the same point. Yeah. And you know, so that well, wouldn't be parallel then, but I get what you're saying. You know, it's parallel and then it just kind of curves <laughs> in at the end. <laughs> like most roads. Um, 
but yeah, so I, I think I'm I'm feeling pretty confident that we're getting close to the point where where we're we're rocking out how we want to rock out and we're we're the masters of our own destiny. Yeah. Masters of the universe. I have the power. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old uh, Dolph. Good old Dolph. God, yeah. What a great movie. What a great God, movie. I need to rewatch that so that's I can so relive my childhood. Fucking good. It's so good. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go on to that was long and drawn out. How long have we been talking already? Oh my gosh. Well, with the intro yeah. shenanigans. An hour 16. Ooh, I'm sorry, guys. We'll cut off some of those beginning shenanigans so you don't have to listen to it. Yeah, and we'll blow through these what's yeah. cool yeah. things real quick. Yep, so uh, what's cool? For me, uh, Red Raw to Atomus. So Atomus signed a licensing deal with Red to um, be able to take Raw out of the Red cameras. Before, Red always sent Raw to their own proprietary hardware and hard drives and all that, and with their own special cables and all that, and it was kind of Red, do or die Red if you wanted Raw. What Atomus is doing is they're doing their own version of RAW that is not uh, editor-specific. So I think ProRes RAW, you can only edit in Final Cut. Uh, Blackmagic RAW can only be shot on the Blackmagic. Um, and like I said before, Red RAW can only be captured on a red uh, peripheral. But what Atomus is doing is they're getting all the licenses for other RAW and any camera that can split spit out raw will send it to an Atomus recorder and become Atomus raw, which can be used in any. It's not editor uh, editing program specific. Um, That's very interesting. Yeah. I would be curious to see if we can um, get raw out of our camera. I don't know. I think once again, it's the it's the it's almost like the micro P twos where it's it has to recognize that the approved thing is connected to it to push maybe, out raw. Maybe. But if you recall that, uh, that special meeting we had at the, uh, Panasonic yeah. offices, yeah, the guy with a smile on his face kind of said, I don't know, but wink, wink, probably maybe you could get raw out of the SDI. Okay. Uh, that would be sick. Um, for those who don't know, the V35 can only use uh, the Codex um, recorder to, yeah, to get raw special, out of the camera. It's not even... It's, 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 a, it's a specific recorder yeah. just for the V35. And it's expensive as shit. It's like 30 grand. And, and, and the media is crazy, is like 5 grand a piece. Exactly. Plus you need a special reader. Yeah. That's another 10 grand or something. Yeah. So it's crazy Bonkers. expensive to get raw out of the V35. Um, but if this can work for the, for the V35, sign me up. I'll buy one. Yep. 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 What do you got? Uh, the Punisher on Netflix is said to have a third season on the way, which is, which is kind of cool. I mean, I don't know how they swung that with the whole. Everything Marvel getting canceled on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. But that's just know. what the executive producer said. Uh, we'll see if it actually happens. I, uh, the second season just went live on Netflix not too long ago. I started it, and I enjoy it quite a bit. I enjoy uh, the old Bernthal. Oh, I love <laughs> That's my John Bernthal That's impression. That's pretty good. Man. Is that pre or post zombie in Walking Dead? <laughs> um... That's a good question. That's a good question. It's just any time. Yeah. That's when, that's he, when he becomes what? the Punisher. It's just, ah! <laughs> <laughs> My God, how do you not have an Oscar or an Emmy yet? <laughs> uh, 
What do you think of their their different take on uh, Jigsaw? Jigsaw. Oh, is that uh, oh, is that what that is? Ben Barnes, I think. Is I haven't his. I haven't quite gotten there yet. Maybe, but yeah, it's interesting. Because in the in the movie, I'm pretty sure he's disfigured face, and here they just keep the pretty boy face with some scars on it, and he puts a mask on. Yeah, he's got some scars. Uh, um, but yeah, you're right. It's not he. He's not super messed up. Yeah, gotta keep that pretty face. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, I have the Focus Bolt wireless monitors. So this is a blend of small HD Teradek and a Mimon, which uh, Teradek actually bought. And um, Mimon was they had a proprietary technology that would send uncompressed video footage over wireless signals, yeah. which screams Teradek. And they had partnered with Teradek before, but now Teradek just straight up bought them because Teradek is owned by Viton, and Viton owns everything. Uh, Vinton? Vinton, there it is, sorry. Yes, uh, Vinton. Man, I really need to get some sleep. Um, Vinton. Um, That does scream Teradek because it screams something that doesn't work all the time. Yeah. Like sending uncompressed over wireless. So basically what the Focus Bolt wireless monitors are, they're small HD monitors with Teradek uh, receivers built right in. Yeah, they're pretty cool looking, I must so, say. They just released the new versions of them, the Focus Bolt, and they're pretty cool. They got handles on the the small HDs. We just used got HDs the for the for the first time actually over the weekend on the pilot, and I loved them. Yeah. Well, we used we've used them before. The 7 inches, these were the 5 inches yeah, we hadn't used those that's before. True. That's true. We've used the 7 inches and I was pretty happy with the 5 inches. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a perfect size. Seven um, can be a little crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Teradek is getting better, and um, they are teaming up with uh, Small HD to just do built-in receivers, which I like. I like it. What is it, like three grand? Let me see what the price is. I don't know if they've released prices yet. I'm sure they have, and I'm sure it's crazy expensive. Probably Let's is. See. Um, the prices are... The five incher with uh, five hundred foot wireless HD transmission, four K, fifteen hundred. The five hundred bolt five hundred. That's not bad. Fifteen hundred. No. Yeah. Is it the high bright version? It is. How many nits is it? Does it have the little buttons on the side? Oh, it's the focus one. I see. Yeah, it's the focus one. Oh, focus. not interested. Not interested. The uh, Bolt Sidekick is the five incher with doesn't give you nits, um, but that one is twenty one nine hundred. That one's five incher. See the um, see the big picture right there with the big monitor. I think that's the seven inch um, uh, seven oh three. Okay, monitor. okay, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's the one right there. That's, that's what a, we want. That's your jam. That's the jam. Yeah. Um, so this, these are the the newest ones are the five hundred the. The TX, the RX, and the Bolt Sidekick. So, yeah, um, that those are cool. Just because simply they're gonna freaking hopefully work better than Teradex work on their own. The 703 Bolt, that is what you're 703 looking for. 703 Bolt. Yep. And that one is four grand. Yes, that is correct. Which, I mean, not bad. Crazy, but. Yeah, if you think about buying a separate fall a separate wireless system, that doesn't system, include. That doesn't include that's only the, the receiver. Doesn't it doesn't include the 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 transfer. That that is correct. So um, that's a little crazy, but hey, whatever. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Looks cool. 
I'll take it. It's probably cool. Yeah. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. All right. What else we got here? Another Netflix uh, announcement. Uh-huh. In early development. Okay. Resident Evil live action TV show. Man, they have just beaten this Resident Evil thing into the ground. Oh, yeah. To death. I mean, but it's highly popular, which is crazy. I thought after maybe like the second one, it would have gone downhill, but yeah, no. Is uh, Mila in this one too? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, I don't think not she is. interested. No. Not no, but uh, I don't know. I think if they if they do what they've been doing with the Marvel stuff and sort of like revamp it and try to make it a little bit cooler and yeah, like, I don't know. I think it could be interesting because yeah. I like the Resident Evil franchise as a whole, like the concept, the game, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think they got they went a little loony with some of the movies. Yeah, uh, but I feel like if they keep it a little bit more grounded, um, which I think is the trend right now. I mean, did you have you seen the trailer for like The Watchmen? Yeah, same yeah. type of deal. It's like a little bit more grounded. Yeah, exactly. I um, think it could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're just about to release the re like the reboot, uh, the remake of uh, Resident Evil Two, the video game. Um, and so I think they're jumping on that bandwagon because everyone's so excited for that. So it's like, oh, well, um, I guess people want more uh, Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I, I'll definitely check it out because it's on Netflix. So I'm not going to um, not gonna say no. I don't have to pay anything more for it. So maybe yeah. hey, I'll check it out. I'm sure Mila will make an appearance at some point. Probably. Um, all right. I got the – I mean – is this even worth mentioning? Because if anybody is listening to this, they know that there's going to be a Ghostbusters sequel. Yeah. Um, it's going to disregard the one with the women. Yeah, well, will it? Or will yeah, it just no. be... It's not, It's going to be like it's, it never existed. Never existed. They're not going to acknowledge it even a tiny bit. Nope. Interesting. Because it's going to take place in the timeline of Ghostbusters 2. So Ghostbusters 2 is going to be the last movie that happens before. It's like Halloween did with all the Halloweens. Right. Yeah. And similarly, everyone's going to be 100 years older. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll see if the, the original cast comes back. But uh, Jason Reitman. Obviously not Harold Ramis, rest in peace. And is Ivan Reitman still alive? I don't know. He directed the first one. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so his oh, son. Rick Moranis should come back, though, for sure. Oh, my sure. God. It, come out of retirement, Rick. Come on. This would be amazing. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Jason Reitman is directing, he's been developing it in secret over the past couple of years mm-hmm. and, uh, it's about kids. So it's kind of like a stranger things meets Ghostbusters. It sounds like. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I'm a big Ghostbusters fan. <sighs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, what else you got? let's see. I saw that, um, Adobe has acquired another company. Man. Uh, called Allegorithmic, which creates a product called Substance, which is Ugh. a 3D uh, texturing um, uh, software that has been used primarily for games, I think, and, uh, and other post-production type things. But now, I don't know why, though, Adobe has acquired this. It's still kind of a mystery to me because Adobe doesn't have... A 3D program, like you've mentioned. I, they have uh, Element 3D, which works in After Effects. But that's like an outside product that isn't, 
you know, could go away at any moment if Andrew Kramer decided to stop making it. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know. That's that's it. You know, Adobe's just Adobe has a crazy crazy business model these days. They bought what we were just talking about. They bought a uh, like an automated marketing company. Um, what was it? Two years ago. Yeah. For like four point five billion. Two thousand fifteen, I think. For two point for four point five billion or something like that. No, was it? Uh, yeah, it was. It was like maybe two thousand seventeen. To to like battle Salesforce. So it's like Adobe. What are you doing? Stay in your lane. But I guess you have the money. Do it up, man. Yeah. But th- like, yeah, that is crazy. I I don't know why. I think they got to oh, be. That's right. Adobe does have a three D modeling software called Dimension. Oh my god, it's so. But obscure. it's like. But it's like for product. Uh, oh. It's like for creating product shots and stuff, like pack shots, I think. But uh, yeah, it started out as Project Felix, and mm. then became Dimension later. You know they're going to be making a play for a three D, a, a legit established three D modeling program. They have to. Yeah, I mean, if if this could turn into that, that could be interesting. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, would it be easy to work backwards and like this can apply to 3D? Like this is adds shading and all that and substance to 3D modeling, so we can just keep working backwards and get the 3D modeling in there. I don't know. Well, maybe what they're doing is so maybe substance is going to work well with dimension mm. to um, add more realism and like to products to to their modeling capabilities, and then um, you'll be able to animate them in. Maybe something. I don't I know mean, what, but maybe After Effects, maybe something else. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what's in the mind of uh, Adobe? But uh, more power to you, Adobe. Good job. Good job. Yeah. And uh, what else? I think there's one more left. You got. You popped it up. That's right. The Mito underwater drone. Mm. We all know the drones of the sky. Do we? Now we have the Aquaman of drones. What? Um. Navatics is the company that makes it. Mito, M-I-T-O. Um, it's a little underwater submarine drone that shoots 4K video at Man. 30 frames per second and shoots 12 megapixel stills. That's crazy. It's a Kickstarter. Okay. That was funded last year. Um, oh, now they're finally pumping it out, huh? Yeah, now it's also available for pre-order. I was surprised to see... I mean, it seems like there's gotta be like no competition i mean i there is some competition but yeah i'm surprised that it's only 1500 bucks yeah that's kind of crazy i mean it's tethered yeah you know which is probably good power power you wanna i you mean don't, you don't want to last 30 minutes in the ocean and then have your uh drone sink to the bottom yeah i was gonna say like they, everyone had the problem with that happening with like the early drones they just fall out of the sky but yeah. This I just mean, sinks to the bottom of the exactly. ocean. Exactly, and you're like, no! Um, actually, it's only 1200 bucks for a pre-sale. Not bad. Not bad. It's not bad. Um, so, yeah, it stores micro... 64 gigabytes on micro SD. Um, let's see. You can go a maximum depth of 135 feet. That's crazy. That's crazy. And it's got LED lights, so if you get down to where it's dark... Yeah. That's crazy. Um, let's see. Four hours runtime, equipped with a solar panel to extend the duration. It 1080 can, HD, 30 frames per second live video within 1,600 feet. Yeah. That's crazy. Bad. That's that's not bad at all. Pretty cool. 
Way and they go. have an app on both iOS and Android. Oh my god, they came out with an app on Android at the same time as iOS. Good. That for never happens. Them. Yeah, man. That's kind of cool. I mean, if you're into that kind of stuff, I feel like you get a lot of really good shots with that. Hell yeah. Uh, probably be a little bit a little bit snazzier, a little bit better than just like taking a GoPro or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love me as a GoPro, but uh, a lot of things are better than the GoPro. Yeah, especially if you can keep them safe. So that's not bad. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. If, uh, if I, I'd definitely play a lot around with it if I knew somebody who had it. Yeah. All right. All right. Close us out. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 38. And do not forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast while you are there. Give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. But you can also make sure to go over to Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. There's all tons of places you can get the podcast. Tune in. iHeartRadio. Just get it wherever you get your podcast, guys. Thanks. Yep. And if you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comments section of our website or hit us up on fearlessfilmmaker.com. Yeah, that's where Mitch hit us up. Mitch, thanks so much for being our first audience question for a whole episode. And we droned on and on. Apologies for that. But uh, yeah, also don't forget to head on over to Fearless Filmmakers to join our growing community of filmmakers. Hop on over there, talk to us, talk to other people in the industry all over the world. Bounce ideas off each other and just become a happy family. That's right. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Later. Peace.